everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and this is episode three. Today, we are going to be talking about comics on our Marvel Unlimited Monday, where we talk about the comics that are premiering on Marvel Unlimited for the first time. Uh, These are comics that have already been out in print, but after six months, they come out on Marvel Unlimited uh, for free, essentially, if you're paying for the monthly subscription for Marvel Unlimited. So technically, they're not free, but um, it's nice, especially for someone who's wanting to save some money if you can't afford to spend the $4 for every single comic that comes out. It's nice to be able to pay either a monthly fee or the yearly fee on Marvel Unlimited to be able to read all of these comics. And the only drawback is you only have to wait six months, which honestly is not that long of time, especially with comics, because the the biggest news that usually comes out of comics is announced either on Twitter or on some news sites. But for the most part, if you aren't paying attention to that, you're never really going to know what's going on in the comics. So six months out isn't really going to affect you. And so for that reason, I highly recommend getting Marvel Unlimited. Um, What I want to start on before that, though, is, um, as I had stated, uh, Mondays I'm going to be doing Marvel Unlimited, and then on Wednesdays I'll be doing the new comic books that come out. Obviously, I won't be reviewing every single new comic book that comes out, hence why I do Marvel Unlimited as well. But there are certain comics that I have to get right when they come out. And um, I wanted to go over those for when I talk about them on Wednesday. The big ones that I'm going to be getting on Wednesday are Agents of Atlas, number one. And that's spinning out of the new Agents of Atlas series, which was a mini-series of four issues that um, had gone taken place over the last four months uh, in regards to War of the Realms. And it was a really great series. I really enjoyed it, and especially because it um, it was a very diverse cast, mostly Asian superheroes. And um, most of these heroes had debuted in the Marvel Future Fight game, which admittedly I have not played. But a lot of these characters like Luna Snow debuted essentially made their comic debut in the new agents of atlas series and now i guess due to the success of that they're making just a regular agents of atlas series it's supposed to be just a five issue limited series though i have seen now in the previews for october that there are going to be some one shots of just certain characters like there's a luna a luna snow one shot there's a white fox one shot and there's a a crescent and io one shot and those are all characters within agents of atlas who um i'll obviously go into more detail when i talk about that on wednesday but that that first issue is coming out on wednesday um Another one that I will 100% be getting, and I highly recommend any of you if you're interested in getting, is Absolute Carnage Number 1 by Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. Uh, this series I have been waiting on for since the first issue of Venom. Uh, Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman have been absolutely killing it in Venom, and I know I talked about that a little bit in my first uh, episode, but right now um, Venom is on issue, I believe, 17 and Donny Cates has just done wonders in revamping this character, linking uh, Venom's origin and the symbiote's origin to just some crazy, out-of-this-world type things. So if you haven't read it, that's something I would highly recommend jumping on on Marvel Unlimited. I think right now um, the issue has... Well, if issue, issue 17 is coming out this month, and so you can always tell, just subtract it by six months. So that means right now it is at issue 11 on Marvel Unlimited. And like I said, that first 12-issue piece of the series is really great. 
um, and is a full comprehensive 12 issues of Venom. So if you're going to read anything, I would just read the first 12 issues. The next few issues deal with War of the Realms, and Donny Cates did not write them. They were still great issues, but if you're wanting to just stick on the Cates train or regardless, whatever the case is, the, the interesting thing about Absolute Carnage and about Donny Cates too is that there's been this web of Venom uh, one-shot series that's been going on um, for almost a year now. There's been, um, just as an example, there's been a web of Venom, um, Venom, which takes place in Vietnam, uh, about one of the first instances of the symbiote. And then there's a web of Venom, Carnage Born. There's a web of Venom, the Cult of Carnage, web of Venom, Venom Unleashed. And they're all one-shots. Some of them are written by Kate. Some of them, one of them is written by Stegman. That's the Venom Unleashed one. But these issues uh, have sort of been hinting at Carnage's comeback in the comics. So he he's had a weird sort of relationship in the comics. He's died and come back and disappeared. And I think the last instance, I'd have to double check, but the last instance was I believe he went out into space. And we haven't really seen him since until these one-shots where essentially there's this cult that has um, resurrected Carnage. And the whole idea of it is, obviously, again, read Venom, uh, Kate's story, but um, the symbiote comes from a uh, essentially like a planet of symbiotes uh, all over this god Null, who is the god of darkness, essentially, or, or the god of the symbiotes. And again, it, I mean, I'm not even close to doing it justice. It's something that you have to experience and read. But the minute that that happened and the minute that those issues came out, it was like, okay, so what's up with Carnage? He's like Venom's best villain. How can we see Carnage? And I just knew that Cates was going to come up with something, and he has, which is Absolute Carnage, which at this point is a five-issue sort of event series. And I would call it an event series because the first issue is $7.99, but that is because it is 72 pages long. And um, no one has been able to release exactly what happens in the comic yet, obviously, but the comic shops that have read it have said that it's phenomenal. And so I am, I am... I am holding my breath waiting for this issue to come out. I am so excited for this. Um, he's been building to this for a year now, over a year. And um, so there's that issue. And then uh, the other, I'm looking through right now, scrolling through the other issues that are coming out. And the uh, House of X, number two, is coming out. And I would almost put that right on the same level as Absolute Carnage. Um, some of you may, uh, may crucify me for this, but uh, I would almost put it maybe just a little less than Carnage. Only because we've already read issue one. But Marvel is saying that issue two is huge of House of X. And I know um, we're all kind of trying to discuss these issues and um, know that there's going to be some big things for the X-Men in these issues. So House of X2 is going to be a big one. And I will probably be reading that and Absolute Carnage at the same time if I can. Um, maybe borrow a, a set of eyes from somebody else so that I can read both of them at the same time. But those are the three issues, or four issues actually. My, my bad. I Also, Guardians of the Galaxy 8 comes out, which is also written by Donny Cates. And um, things kind of left on a weird note on issue 7. At the very end, we kind of figure out what Rocket Raccoon has been up to in this series and why he, why he hasn't been present. So issue 8 should hopefully provide some answers. I, I'm not too sure, but we'll certainly find out. For anyone else who's interested, some of the other notable issues that I would say coming out this week are Major X issue 0 uh, by Rob Liefeld. Um, and again, Agents of Atlas is written by Greg Pak, and also um, 
Leon, last name Leon, sorry, I'm looking at this sheet, I don't know his first name, it could be Nico, but I'll double check, obviously I'll credit them when I when I read it on Wednesday, uh, Gwen, Gwenpool Strikes Back, number one is on here, uh, Gamerverse, Spider-Man Velocity, number one, She-Hulk Annual, Ghost Spider, number one, which is with Spider-Gwen, and then um, the Future Foundation is premiering its first issue with Jeremy Whitley as the writer, who um, was the writer for Unstoppable Wasp, phenomenal writer, does a great job, was really bummed that that series got canceled, and we'll actually be talking about that series here shortly since one of the issues came out today. Invisible Woman, number two, haven't been reading that, but I'm looking forward to checking that one out on uh, Marvel Unlimited. Arrow 2, A-E-R-O 2, by Greg Pak as well. That's one of the characters from Agents of Atlas. I do subscribe to that comic, but I only get that comic monthly in the mail from Midtown Comics, so I don't get that one right away. I won't be able to review that today or uh, on Wednesday. Black Cat number 3 is uh, coming out, along with Savage Avengers number 4, Star Wars TIE Fighter number 5, Spider-Man Life Story number 6. That's the final issue in Chip Zdarsky's run. I have not subscribed to that those uh, that story because the issues are $4.99, and the story is only 32 pages long, and don't want to sound old, but back in my day, a 32-page story only cost $2.99, and nowadays it's costing $3.99, but then they're doing these sort of premiere stories that are uh, $4.99. So I just, like I said, again, why pay $4.99 when I can read this comic on Marvel Unlimited in six months? I don't mind waiting, but I do know for a fact that the story is really good. So if issue six is coming out um, on Wednesday, it's a good chance that this month issue one will be coming out or uh, actually probably next month issue one will be coming out for six months cosmic ghost rider destroys the marvel history number six is coming out as well as champions number eight old man quill number eight savage sword of conan number eight a lot of eights invaders number eight wow i guess all these comics came out at the same time daredevil number nine uh, also written by Chip Zdarsky, and uh, Dead Man Logan number 10, which I'll be reviewing in this one as well, not issue 10, but minus 6, um, it's issue 3 actually, so we might be a little behind in the release dates, maybe there's a delay, Punisher number 14, Immortal Hulk 22, which I will preface, Immortal Hulk is incredible. If you are not reading this story, you definitely need to be reading that, whether that is through your comic shop, through the trade paperbacks, or just on Marvel Unlimited. And right now, I think it's on, well, shoot, minus six six months from that. It's, it's debuting monthly, so that's 12 minus. It's on issue 10, maybe issue 11, but that story, it's Al Ewing the writer, and uh, Joe Bennett, the um, artist, they are crafting such a story that I, I just... I don't read Hulk comics very often, and I know there's some people out there who love the Hulk, and, and I enjoy him as well, but I just, I've seen, it seems like these last few stories have been kind of the same. This is anything but. So if I could recommend one story out of these this week, besides obviously, you know, Absolute Carnage and House of X, I would recommend Immortal Hulk. Again, I'm not going to be reading it. I read it on Marvel Unlimited, but um, this is just something that is, it's a great issue, and I know it's going to be a great issue. And then Star Wars issue 70, which is also by Greg Pak, and I don't read that one anymore either. I was used to read Star Wars. I think I read up to like issue 50, and um, I don't know. I, I've read a couple of different Star Wars knockoffs as well. 
in terms of the side stories, but that's kind of just where we're at right now. So those are the those are the issues in comics that are coming out on Wednesday. Like I said, I'll be reviewing a couple of those, but for today, today we're talking about Marvel Unlimited and the issues that came out on Marvel Unlimited today are issues that came out January 30th. And so like I said, I don't read all of them, but I read quite a bit of them. And so I'm hoping that these um, these reviews will give you an idea of these comics and whether or not you should check them out. Again, if it's Marvel Unlimited, they're free. This is nothing but your time. So uh, basically when I do these reviews, I'm going to be telling you whether it's worth your time because uh, money-wise, it's completely worth it. They're, they're essentially free by this point, especially since it's July. If you subscribe to Marvel Unlimited in, in January, you've probably already made your money back just due to how many comics uh, they are putting out. So the first issue, or the first uh, story on here is uh, Age of X-Men Alpha, and that's a number one, that's a, a one-shot written by Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler with artist Ramon Rosanas and color artist uh, Treona Farrell with uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is essentially a one-shot for the new status quo of the X-Men again. That status quo is being drastically changed in Hickman's story. But what happened was, before Hickman's story, they're doing a essentially 22-issue X-Men story before that, written by mostly Matthew Rosenberg, along with Kelly Thompson, and I believe Ed Brisson. I'll have to check my math. But in this story, it's obviously not written by them. But what happened in the last story, and again, I would really recommend you reading these issues of Uncanny X-Men. They're really good. The action has been nonstop. And what happened at the very end, and I'm going to say this, let me say this before we start, spoilers are going to be said for all of these issues. I'm going to try to limit my spoilers as much as possible because I really would like you guys to enjoy these comics. And there are certainly things in these comics I'm definitely not going to spoil so that you can read them. But there's obviously topics that need to be discussed so that you can get a full idea of what's going on in these stories. So in Uncanny X-Men, what ended up happening was X-Man, Nathan Summers, um, was fighting all of the X-Men. He kind of wanted to rewrite reality and fix things, much like many X-Men stories. And they obviously didn't want that to happen. And so eventually he's like, you know what? I'm done. This is, I'm, I'm doing things for myself. And then boom. And that was, it was like, there was a blank slate at the end of uncanny X-Men, I believe number 10. And, um, and so we didn't know what was happening. It was like, Oh, whoa, what happened? All the X-Men disappeared. Everything, everything disappeared. And so what ends up happening is Nathan Summers, X-Men, creates a new reality where the X-Men are loved, they're adored, and everybody is a mutant. So the idea was, you know, all these years have gone by, people have hated mutants, they've they've not accepted them, they've kind of been the, the, um, the scapegoat, or I don't even know what the right word would be for, for minorities, essentially. Um, ever since the 60s, it's always been, you know, the person who's different, they're, they're strange, they're scary, and that's kind of been what the X-Men are, is for people to relate to that. So the idea was, um, Nathan Summers says, hey, what if everyone's a mutant? Let's just make everyone on Earth a mutant, and he's that powerful that he can do so. So this one shot kind of goes into what happened after the X-Men disappeared, and so they reappear on um, this new world where everybody's a mutant. And of course, while the issue is interesting, it does more to set up future issues. And this is something where I'm super grateful for Marvel Unlimited because out of this Age of X-Men came five miniseries, which were, I believe, and I'm going to double check on here too, but it was um, Amazing Nightcrawler, 
uh, hold on, I apologize, but they are uh, The Marvelous X-Men, Next Gen, The Amazing Nightcrawler, Extremists, Prisoner X, and Apocalypse and the Extracts. And so all four of all uh, six of these were, I believe, just five issue miniseries. And at the time, it was like, why, you know, why am I going to buy these when I know that Hickman is going to be putting out this giant book that's rewriting everything? So, you know, some people could argue, does this even matter? And it probably does. And, and for the story, it definitely does because this issue was very interesting. I, I want to know more now. But I'm grateful for Marvel Unlimited because. I can enjoy all six of these issues as they're coming out to be read in the order that they were meant to be read versus having to spend money on six more issues. So I'm looking forward to this greatly, um, especially for like the amazing Nightcrawler. He's my favorite X-Man. Um, there's some that are coming close to him now, but when I was a kid, I loved Nightcrawler. And so these are just great. And I think it's interesting that they decided to take this direction of finally giving the mutants their due, that everyone accepts them. Everyone's a mutant, so everybody loves them. And um, it was an interesting issue, but besides that, it felt a lot like it was just a primer issue for these miniseries where within the issue, they reference all six of the miniseries saying, hey, you want to see what happens here? Read on in, in uh, The Amazing Nightcrawler. And so... I get it. It makes sense. It's comics. You know, they're trying to sell new comics. So I forgive him for that. It was an interesting story. I'd recommend reading it, especially if you're if you're interested in Donnie or Donnie Cates. If you're interested in Hickman's new run, it's definitely a good idea to follow along on Marvel Unlimited with the prior X-Men stuff because I haven't read the most recent things leading into House of X. And I know you don't have to read them, but I imagine there may be some tidbits in there that may get a callback eventually. The next story, or the next issue that is in here on Marvel Unlimited is Black Panther vs. Deadpool, issue 4 of 5. This is written by Daniel Kibblesmith and Mr. Lopez Ortiz. I'm going to fast forward to the credits section so I can properly give him. Uh, it's Ricardo, Ricardo Lopez Ortiz, along with color artist Felipe Sobriero and VC's Joe Sabino. i got to tell you this much, VC is killing it at the letters because I can read everything just fine in every comic and they're the ones usually doing it. So thank you very much for that. Um, this is a weird mini series. Black Panther versus Deadpool is part of that whole series that Deadpool has kind of been doing where Deadpool kills the Marvel universe, Deadpool kill illustrated, Deadpool kills this, that, or the other. And so they've been kind of just building off of that when one Deadpool series ends, the next one starts for who he's going to kill. And essentially what these series are is what would happen if Deadpool goes up against this person? How meta can we make this issue? And um, they've been doing great. I've actually been really enjoying it. The the digs at Black Panther, at Deadpool, at Wakanda, all that stuff has been really, really funny. And Kibble Smith has a really good grasp on Deadpool's comedy. Uh, and this issue was no exception. So what it, this whole series is about... Um, it's about, it says here too, after the Fantastic Four's beloved mailman, Willie Lumpkin, was accidentally injured during a fight between the occasionally heroic mercenary Deadpool and supervillain the Wrecker, Deadpool traveled to Wakanda to obtain an inch-long piece of vibranium that could save Willie's life. But the Black Panther refuses to hand one of the world's most precious resources to a known murderer. And a fight ensues. And so what's so funny about this is in the first issue, Deadpool kind of goes, all right, I, I know how these comic uh, 
uh, fights go. We're going to have a thing where we talk it out and then we're going to have a big fight because of a misunderstanding. And then we're going to have to team up for a bad guy and yada, 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 essentially laying out what every single issue is going to be. And that's exactly what happens. So this is, this story is so funny because it, um, it plays on a lot of those superhero, superhero tropes and just makes Deadpool super funny. And obviously there's a lot of cool Black Panther stuff in it as well. And the fights are great. But uh, if you're looking for a comedy piece or something that maybe isn't as serious as the rest of the comics you're reading, I would highly recommend this series. It's been really enjoyable so far to read. Um, The next issue is uh, one that I have actually been really loving, which is Captain America. And uh, Captain America is on issue 7 on Marvel Unlimited. And then Captain America is written by Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, or yeah, I believe it's Tanihisi. I, I say Tanisi, but Tanihisi Coates and Adam Kubert with Frank Martin on colors. And uh, this issue has just been absolutely gorgeous. This whole series has been gorgeous. Laniel Yu did the first six issues, and he's one of my favorite artists. Uh, and now Adam Kubert's killing it as well. But Tanihisi Coates, if you don't know, he has written black panther for the last few years he kind of got on black panther right before the movie came out maybe a year or two before the movie came out in like 2016 and he he's a writer by trade so he's got a lot of books out right now that are um they're they're great i haven't read any of them yet but i I have them on my list to read because specifically of these comics he's just he's a really great writer and when you read the issues you'll see why the way that these people speak it just it feels like a writer is writing these issues and this issue is no different and um, i'm gonna say it right now every week i do a panel of the day or i used to call it a panel of the week but that hashtag didn't get a lot of hits on uh, instagram so i do a panel of the day on those days basically but every week when i'm reading marvel and unlimited i'll pick my favorite panel from all of the comics that i read and i'll post that on instagram as as this is the panel of the day panel of the week and this issue is going to have the panel of the day the panel of the week in on my instagram which is at, at a robot's wink a robot's wink uh because there is just a huge development at the end of this issue what happens is Captain America, over the last few years, has been embroiled in a controversy because a person just like him was uh, based off of the Cosmic Cube, very complicated. Blame Nick Spencer, the writer of Secret Empire and uh, Pleasant Hill, who I don't blame him. I thought it was amazing. But he uh, wrote these stories, and uh, what happens is this Captain America essentially becomes the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then eventually becomes the head of America. And um, obviously it's a little deeper than that, but the whole story is what happens if this person who is not Captain America and is pretending to be Captain America, but everyone thinks it's Captain America, what happens if he becomes the leader of the free world? And there are a lot of political implications in this story in Secret Empire and uh, it, it sparked a lot of controversy all over the place. There's a lot of people who don't like it, who say, oh, this is not my cap. Because in, the, in one of the first issues of his run on Captain America, what happened was it was revealed that Captain America was a Hydra agent all along. And so at the end of that first issue, Captain America says, hail Hydra. And that is sort of why he says hail Hydra in Avengers Endgame. And at least that's why I freaked out about it. But at the end of that series, obviously, the real Captain America comes back, fights him, saves the day. But the best part about that story was 
America doesn't know what to believe anymore. Is yeah, this is the the right Captain America, but how do you be Captain America in a country where no one trusts Captain America anymore? How do you go on like that? And the only way that kind of story can be told is from Tanahisi Coates because it's just it's the type of story that you would find in a book. And so while that story took place a couple years ago, he's dealing with it in his Captain America story. And at this point, what happens is Captain America is being framed for a murder. And so he has to turn himself in, and he's basically an enemy of the state. So um, it's, I, I wish I had, could read all of the issues because it is just so good. And like I said, that last page reveal, um, I'm going to be posting it on my Instagram, but I won't spoil it on here. Just read the issue because it is that good. Um, another one that I'm going to touch on, or the next one, is Dead Man Logan, issue 3 of 12. This is a maxi-series where it's 12 issues. It's written by, uh, I believe this one's written by Ed Brisson, yep, and Mike Henderson does the art. And um, this is the story of Old Man Logan that was kind of premiered years ago uh, in the Old Man Logan series, where it's essentially a old version of Wolverine from an alternate universe where he has killed all of the X-Men because of Mysterio. Mysterio, Mysterio made an illusion that made him think that the X-Men were bad guys, and he killed all of the X-Men. And it's in this, it's such a good story. It's written by Mark Millar with pencils by Steve McNiven. And um, I, that's on Marvel Unlimited too. And that's one of those stories that you've got to read that story because it's sort of based on the Logan story in the movies that uh, Fox adapted. But it's just a good story overall of, uh, you know, what happens to the Marvel Universe in a hundred years sort of thing. The bad guys win, all this stuff. And so what happens in this story is over the last few years, old man Logan came into the marvel universe and i believe that was through the jonathan hickman secret wars event but basically he's in the main universe now and he's been kind of with the x-men and like i said in prior casts the uh the x-men comics have kind of been hit and hit or miss over the last few years but i've always enjoyed the old man logan story and this is essentially the final old man logan story the dead man logan story and so it's three issues in logan's trying to take down mysterio sort of like a last ditch effort so that he really doesn't have anything to worry about anymore because his biggest fear is that mysterio is going to do this again to him that he's going to get him tricked again and he's going to kill people that he loves that sort of thing and so of course and to great effect in this issue that's what happens mysterio tricks logan into thinking that the avengers are the sinister six and so the whole issue is him fighting the avengers which is so sick it's such a good issue mysterio is made to be such a good villain in this issue and um he even does some pretty smart moves with the bad guys that he's working for and so i won't spoil any more than that other than to say if you're not reading this series i would recommend reading it again it's only 12 issues and we're on the third issue so it's easy to jump onto, and it's not a huge commitment because once that 12 issues is up it's gonna be done i don't think we've gotten advertisements for issue 12 yet i don't think anything is coming before or after that because the regular wolverine has returned in other comics 
The next issue is Doctor Strange number 10, or in legacy numbering, Doctor Strange issue 400. Um, Again, this issue is on Marvel Unlimited. I actually read this issue when it came out because Joe Quesada did a variant cover for this issue, and I love Joe Quesada's art. So I had to pick that up. I read it, and I was really interested in it. I would highly recommend jumping onto this series. Doctor Strange is so interesting of a character. Uh, It's written by Mark Wade with um, pencils by, I think his name is Jesus um, Sayans. And uh, I'm going to confirm that here in just a second. But um, this is an interesting issue because it kind of moves into this new arc. It's Mark Wade. The artist is Jesus Saiz, S-A-I-Z, and there are multiple other um, artists on this issue. Kevin Nolan and Jim Campbell, Butch Geis and Carlos Lopez, Tim Palmer and Daniel Acuna, along with letters by VC's Corey Petit. And um, Doctor Strange has just had such an interesting story over these last 12 issues of figuring out kind of who he is and what magic means in the world, trying to bring back magic. Um... I would also recommend reading Jason Aaron's prior Doctor Strange run before this because it dealt with what happens when these there's essentially some bad guys that uh, took away all of the magic. They are saying, you know, people are not appreciating this magic. You don't deserve it sort of stuff, and, and they stole it or uh, destroyed almost all of it. And so he's kind of been on a mission to bring magic back. And so this issue deals with what the cost of magic is. And so Jason Aaron kind of went over that in his run of, you know, magic always has a cost. It's not something that you can do all the time. You got to pay the price. But in this issue, there's just a really interesting twist on what that cost is. And it's not a spoiler, but I don't want to say it because it's just interesting to read because you're going to kind of giggle at yourself that, oh, they, you know, they kind of went this route that this makes total sense. It's, um... It's just a way of, of keeping track of magic that maybe you didn't think of that was right in front of your face. So I would highly recommend this series. And, and jumping on now, it's a good jumping on point. The reason there are so many artists on it is because there's multiple stories. So you've got the main story plus some other extra stories in there that are definitely worth reading. Um, one of the standout interesting ones that I read this week is uh, Journey into Unknown Worlds. This year is Marvel's 80th anniversary. Marvel's been doing 80 years of comics that started back with Timely Comics in 1939. And so in celebration of their 80 years, they've been doing a lot of cash grabs comics this year that have been one-shots or specials that kind of highlight things that have happened throughout the last 80 years. So earlier this year and before this podcast, they did sort of one-shots of Crypt of Shadows, which was really good, along with uh, Love and Romance, War is Hell, all issues that they had kind of made stories of back in the past, but they're basically essentially reboots. And so this is another one. There's Journey into Unknown Worlds, which is written by Cullen Bunn and Guillermo Santa as the artist. And then there's a second story written by Clay McLeod Chapman and Francisco or Francesco Mana along with colorist Lee Lowridge and VC's Travis Lanham, another VC. Um, And it was really good because the last few that I've read have kind of been eh because they're one-shots. I didn't pick them up in the store for that very reason that I said. it's I don't need to read a one-shot, especially if it's something that I'm not super interested in or something like this where I know it has no absolutely no impact on future Marvel stories. 
And so I really liked this book more so than I thought it would, especially the intro. And I wanted to touch on that. The intro of the book says, there are some who say that this book should not exist, that the fantastical flights of fancy contained herein are too much for the human brain to comprehend, that to gaze upon these weird worlds would wreck the fragile human constitution as it tries and fails to comprehend these surreal adventures For these tales of suspense are enough to cause hearts to race, minds to melt, and skeptics to wonder. Are you prepared to step into the strange? To face the bizarre? To meet monsters beyond your wildest imaginations? I sure hope so, true believer, for you are about to embark on a journey into unknown worlds. And uh, that kind of set the tone for it. So it's two stories. And I kind of want to touch on these two in terms of spoilers. Again, it's not a spoiler in my opinion if it doesn't affect anything. I think what I'm about to tell you is going to make you kind of want to read it just to see what it's about. But again, it's a one-shot. If you don't read it, it's not going to come back to bite you at any point in the future. But the first story is about these scientists who are trying to investigate this sort of uh, hot zone where this interesting infection has taken place. And so they get there. There's a giant pile of bones, and the, the, uh, the people are all in hazmat suits, and they're like, what's going on? I have no idea what's going on. And um, all of a sudden, one of them starts changing, and and uh, you know they start getting ripped apart, and and like like a monster is infecting them, like a parasite. And they're like, "How is this possible? We've got hazmat suits on. This doesn't make sense." And so eventually, the parasite uh, becomes sentient and explains to them what's going on. And so the whole story on here, there's this really great um, kind of clip that they explain, but they're saying that um, it says others. Uh, or it says, what we don't, we don't know what we'll find out here. Some of us hope we'll find nothing, that this has all been some sort of mistake. Others pray for anything, even if our sanity might not survive the revelation. Forget containment, forget prevention. For some of us, validation is the only thing we can hope for. And so that whole phrase, that whole message kind of permeates throughout this story. And so by the end of it, these parasites are explaining their reason for why they're here. And that's where I'm not going to spoil it because that part's interesting, but they're explaining why they're here. And by the end of it, you're like, oh man. And, And honestly, the only bad part about this was that it wasn't longer. It's only half of the issue. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. They could have totally done some more with this or explained some more of this and I, I again no spoilers but the last part of the story just says now this is the parasite talking now at long last we have found validation which was just so cool the way that they explain what that validation was the second story is about these boy scouts who uh, are camping one of the kids getting made fun of and for some reason his camp counselor is giving him crap about reading comic books. And you can kind of tell that it's like a dig at, oh, you know, comic books are cool. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be embarrassed that you've got comics. But um, the kid gets like kidnapped by the other the other kids and is put in like a, a sli- his sleeping bag and tied up on a tree. And the counselor is like, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you know, you should try and be a part of the group because we're all trying to, you know, be Boy Scouts. We're trying to be men, but you're just over there reading their comics. And then while everyone's asleep, a asteroid lands nearby their campsite and he goes to investigate it to very interesting results, to very 
science fiction-y results, very spooky results. So, like I said, again, it's just a one-shot. You don't have to read it, but I would recommend reading it because it was it was cool. Both of them were really cool in terms of not having to worry about anything um, coming after that. Next up is Marvel Knights, issue six of six. Now, this is the last issue of Marvel Knights, the Marvel Knights series. Um, this series was heavily publicized in um, Comic-Con, I believe. Either Maybe it even wasn't Comic-Con. Whatever it was, it was announced Donny Cates is the showrunner of this series. This is Marvel's 80th anniversary. It's also the 20th anniversary of Marvel Knights, which was the sort of renaissance of a lot of Marvel characters like Punisher, Daredevil, all those street-level Marvel, quote-unquote, Marvel Knights. And so 20 years later, Donny Cates is the one show running it. Why not? Donny Cates is amazing. So what happens is Donny Cates writes the first issue, and then the next issues are written by different people with Donny Cates kind of helping out. And then the final issue is Donny Cates writing it again, along with pencils by Kim Jacinto and Travel Foreman. Uh, Kim Jacinto, interestingly enough, wrote the five-issue miniseries of Century, which was really good, is on Marvel Limited and should be read. Sentry is in this issue, but what I want to point out is that uh, I did not enjoy this series, and I'm shocked that I did not enjoy this series. I bought the first issue specifically because it was Donny Cates, and I just I was like, okay, you know, I'll probably check out the next issues on on uh, Marvel Unlimited, and then two, three, four, and five have just been kind of a slog. I have had a hard time kind of reading them, so I hoped that issue six would tie everything up nicely. And it sort of doesn't. I honestly, I don't even want to go into why it, um, just so that I don't spoil it. If it's something that you're interested in reading, I guess you should. I thought the Sentry was going to have a huge role in this story because he's one of my favorite characters. And uh, it's not. It's not at all. And a lot of the things that I thought were going to happen didn't happen. And um, for that reason, I'm just kind of upset by it. It just, by the end of it, when I tell you that Marvel does cash grabs, because they do, and there's nothing wrong about that. Again, they're a company. They're just trying to make money. But at the end of the day, Marvel, more so than not, makes great comics. But sometimes they don't. And I would just say that this is probably one of those instances that they don't. So my recommendation would be to pass on this um, on Marvel Knights. Again, check it out if you're interested, if, especially if you like the old Marvel Knights. I would love to know if any of you out there actually like this. Because um, I'm always in the mood for trying to like something, and I just I can't really find anything on here that I like besides the fact that Donny Cates wrote it. But I sort of wish that he didn't because it's kind of his name is tied to a not so great story. So we'll see. Let me know what you think. Next issue, Miss Marvel number thirty-seven. This was another issue that I purchased prior six months ago uh, due to a variant cover that was by um, what's his name, Jamie McKelvey. Uh, great mar- great variant cover, but um, the story is a one. Uh, it's a one-off, so it's just a one-issue story. But it's a great story about Miss Marvel sort of attempting to babysit her brother's kid, and um, obviously hijinks ensue. Miss Marvel has to be Miss Marvel, and some crazy stuff happens. But the interesting thing about this issue is, at the end of the day, her brother gets 
a job that he has always wanted and something that um, he's been working for for quite a while. And I was super happy when I found out that he got it because um, it just really worked for his character. And his brother, her brother is not that big of a character in the stories. But in terms of side characters, it's always nice to get that kind of movement with the side characters. The biggest uh, thing, though, is the final panel, which I won't spoil. But let's just say there's something going on with that baby. So that story is written by G. Willow Wilson and Nico Leone. That's who I thought it was in that uh, that other issue we talked about prior. But um, Nico Leone is the one who's uh, drawing it. Great issue. And then uh, the next one is The Amazing Spider-Man issue 14. Now, if any of you subscribe to Marvel Studios News podcast, and you all should, um, one of the hosts on there, um, Paul Herman, he... Uh, talks big game about the amazing spider-man uh nick spencer is the one who picked up on that like i said prior that's secret empire and uh, he kills it he kills this story and um it's just it's going in a really interesting direction the um the story is a lot about aunt may versus about being spider-man she she has more of the story than he does and and he just does a great job at writing aunt may he does a great job at writing peter he does a great job at writing peter's villains but what I thought was most interesting about this, and and as I said before, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Mary Jane in the story makes a comment to Peter about him being in his mid-20s. And so I'm wondering, is this Marvel officially stating that um, Spider-Man is in his mid-20s for the last 80 years? Or I guess since 19, what was it, 1964, that... Uh, 64 or 62 when the first issue of spider-man came out but that's pretty crazy because there's been some issues where he seems like he looks older where he seems like he looks long younger we're not too sure but um great stuff with tack taskmaster and ant-man if you love those characters it's technically black ant but um nick spencer has been writing them for a long time long before he was writing um Amazing Spider-Man, he had them both in his Secret Empire series, and I think before that as well, but he kills it with those two guys. They're great. Rhino is in this story, and if you're a Rhino fan, that's great. And the best part, too, is Lizard is in this, um, along with kind of a new status quo that Lizard's been dealing with. But more so than that is Nick Spencer's Hunted storyline, which is coming out in just a couple of issues. It starts, I believe, in issue 16. And uh, they're they're definitely setting the seeds for the hunted storyline. So if you're interested in that storyline, which has been a big deal, uh, I would jump on now. I would almost maybe jump on in the issue prior, in issue 13. But this issue is a new jumping on point. It says so in the beginning. It's it's part one. So I would recommend um, Amazing Spider-Man for sure. And then the next uh, story in Marvel Unlimited is the Unstoppable Wasp, and that's actually the. Um, I'm looking at it here. That's going to be the last one that I'm going to review. Again, there's more stories on there, but these are all the ones that I'm covering. Unstoppable Wasp is by Jeremy Whitley with art by, I believe it's Girahiru. And um, I love this series. I uh, Yeah, Girahiru. Um, I followed this series in the comics, uh, and it's only 10 issues. It's issue 1 through 10. Um, this, the storyline was actually canceled after the first eight, I believe it was eight, eight issues. Just due to it, it's not it's an action book. It's not something that's affecting the, the whole Marvel Universe. And it's certainly not something like Absolute Carnage. So it would make sense that not a lot of people are going to buy this book. But what happened was, after the issues came out, the book was canceled. And um, 
What happens then is the graphic novels come out covering all of the books, and those get bought by libraries, by bookstores, and a bunch of people bought them and said, hey, I love this story. And so Marvel said, all right, well, let's do another one then. Jeremy, get back on this and let's do it. And so he did another 10 issues, and then obviously the book got canceled again because it's not that popular. It's it's a cult book at this point. Uh, but again, a cult book nonetheless. You should join this cult because Unstoppable Wasp is phenomenal. It's so good. And this issue... Issue number four is actually the hallmark issue of the series, in my opinion. What happens in this issue, and I'm not going to spoil anything because the writing, the story itself is so powerful, but Jeremy Whitley really goes into detail about somebody who's truly affected by bipolar disorder. And obviously, I mean, spoilers, it's Unstoppable Wasp, but she has bipolar disorder, and they, I mean, he does not pull any punches when it comes to this so if you know somebody who is affected by this or if you yourself are affected by this um he apparently did a bunch of research into how bipolar disorder affects people affects those around them and uh, i would just really recommend picking this up i mean i i was following him on twitter and the the people that were reading this were just saying you know you had me in tears yada 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 this was a great issue i i second that when i read it i i was pretty emotional when i read it because it's it's a strong issue it's not often that you see a superhero struggle with a mental um a mental issue or you know whatever you want to call it but someone who's struggling with bipolar disorder and um it's interesting too because in the next issue, issue five, is when they kind of go into detail about the fact that her dad had that. So for those of you that don't know, Unstoppable Wasp, Nadia Pym, is the daughter of Hank Pym and a, a different female, so not Janet Van Dyne. But what's interesting and great about this story is Janet Van Dyne essentially adopts her as her daughter. Because at this point, Hank Pym is quote-unquote dead. He's essentially half Ultron and living in space sort of thing. But it's just a beautiful issue, and it's a beautiful series. So we're only four issues in. It's easy. It's going to be so easy for you to jump in. And by the way, VCs, Joe Caramanga is the one who's doing the letters. So how can you pass up on that? When VC's doing it, you know it's a good gig. So uh, check that out. Check out all those issues and let me know which ones are your favorite because um, come Wednesday, I will be discussing the uh, current runs that are going to be coming out. Like I said, Absolute Carnage, Agents of Atlas, uh, House of X2, and Guardians of the Galaxy 8. But for now, those are the issues that we're talking about on Marvel Unlimited Monday. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and this is Comics and Cinema. Today, we've been talking about comics, specifically Marvel Unlimited, but thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to speaking with you in a day or two.